I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. On this episode, Fiona Brennan, Chagas Soil and Environmental Microbiologist Researcher based in Johnstone Castle, chats to us about soil health. Our greatest asset is our soil, but what actually lives in the soil beneath our feet? A quarter of all life can be found there. How healthy are our soils? Are we hindering or helping our soil health? And what should we be doing to get the most from our soil in a sustainable manner? I started off by asking Fiona, what is soil and how much life does it actually contain? Soil is comprised of a mixture of um, minerals, um, organic materials, and also pores, uh, the spaces between the particles. They're either filled with air or water, and most of the life is actually present in the pore space. So that's really important to, to keep on to in your soil. In terms of life, our soils are absolutely teeming with life. There's a staggering number and, and diversity of organisms in soil. Uh, with over a quarter of all biodiversity in the planet in our soils. So it really is a, a globally important reservoir of, so- of biodiversity. And this is a whole range of organisms, different sizes, different shapes, doing different things. Um, we have the, the very smallest life, the microscopic life, uh, bacteria, uh, fungi, archaea, nematodes, for example. Then up to larger organisms, which we'd call mesofauna. These would be springtails or mites. And then to, the, to the, the, the largest of organisms that we'd see in soils, um, earthworms or ants, which we can obviously see with the naked eye. So um, all of these organisms are operating in different scales, different, they occupy different niches. And as I say, there's a huge number of them. So we're talking in a handful of healthy soil, we could have over 100 million bacteria, we could have 100,000 protozoa, we could have 50 kilometers of uh, fungal networks, what we call mycelium. Uh, it really is extraordinary. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of what you can find in a soil. There's people in severe shock at the moment listening to this because um, really when you pick up a handful of soil and, and we know farmers, it's synonymous with farming the soil and that, that grows our crops. But when we look at it and we know there's sand, silt and clay in it, but we kind of forget all the other stuff in it. Like farmers will be aware of earthworms and beetles and all that big stuff, but just when you talk about the amount, the, the amount of bacteria and fungi and all that stuff, and it, it's frightening. And I remember uh, looking at soils before when you're trying to figure out textures and all scientists used to put the soil in their mouth to see what the texture was like, to see what the percentage that there's no way I'd put soil in my mouth after hearing what you've just said. Uh, most of them are friendly, Carl. <laughs> uh, but you're right, it is, it's mind blowing. And I, I work in this area and it still blows my mind every time I get to go out in the fields and uh, pick up organ, pick up some soil and look in it. And they're, they're just the organisms you can see with your eye. So it, it's absolutely phenomenal. It certainly is equivalent to the rainforests in terms of the biodiversity that we would see. Fiona, soil health has now been mentioned in the same sentence as biodiversity, water quality and gaseous emissions. When it comes to sustainability, right, what does soil health actually mean? Yeah, it's a very good question, uh, Deirdre, and it's a term that's not kind of well understood. You could kind of think about it a bit synonymous to human health. What does human health mean? Um, when we think about soils, we think about it in terms of functions. So soil has so many functions that are essential both to food production and agriculture, but also to broader society. So for example, 95% of our food comes from soil, it produces fiber, 
it, but it also sequesters carbon, regulates climate, it stores and cleans our waters, it's a home for biodiversity and a whole way, range of other functions. So all of these functions, most soils have the capacity to do a, a broad range of functions, but not to the same degree. And when we talk about soil health, we're really talking about the capacity of that soil to deliver these functions. Uh, and importantly, different soils, uh, as they have different capacities to, to function, but they all have to be set, assessed individually. So a soil, for example, that's very good at the productivity function may not have the same capacity to sequester carbon, um, but it shouldn't be judged in the same way as one that has a, a strong capacity to uh, sequester carbon with lower productivity. So we can't, one size does not fit all when it comes to assessing soil health, I suppose, is what I, I would say. Yeah, and it kind of goes back. It's really good that you mentioned one soil doesn't fit all because we, when we look at the quarter, the water quality side of the house, um, now it's much more simple terms that we're looking at. We're looking at the physical um, function, I suppose, where a heavier soil will, I suppose, stop nitrate loss, whereas the lighter soils will stop, will, will maybe more prone to, to nitrate loss. So I think uh, that that concept of one size doesn't fit all is, is vitally important. You mentioned the soil functions there, Fiona. Um, and I'm presuming microorganisms play a huge role in the soil functions and so many that you just mentioned now. But is there certain practices that we're doing at the moment on farms that maybe might be affect the populations or are negative towards our, our microbes? Yeah, Carl, I mean, the, the microbial communities, soil biology in general, but particularly the microbial communities, because that makes up the largest proportion of the biology in soil and they do a lot of the processes, they're vitally important to how the soil functions. Um, so they're involved in a whole range of, uh, I suppose, beneficial functions. They're the main drivers of nutrient cycling. They're transforming nutrients from one form to another, particularly non-available forms to plant available forms. Um, they're scavenging nutrients that are, are low in the soil. Uh, they're providing uh, protection against pests and diseases. Um, and they're also regulating climate and transforming and sequestering carbon or releasing carbon and transforming nitrogen. They provide vitamins and hormones for plants. And, and even in fact, uh, down to the establishment of plants is uh, strongly dependent on the microbial communities there. So if you don't have the right microbial communities, the plants won't establish to start with. And we often don't have to think about them of that. Uh, they're inherently there. But how we manage our soils has a strong impact on the communities that are there and what they're doing. So learning to manage our soils in a ways that uh, I suppose looks after those really valuable members of the of the farming workforce um, is, is key. And in terms of, of uh, things that might be, I suppose, reduce uh, soil number, soil biodiversity, um, things like um, degrading down your soil organic matter, that would be something that would certainly reduce down the food and the habitat for organisms. Um, having fallow soil, um, some tilling operations can be negative to uh, certain organisms, particularly larger organisms such as earthworms, um, where you have physical damage of the soil, either compaction or erosion. Uh, again, you're removing the habitat and the food source for those organisms. And another issue would be um, monocultures where you have a single crop growing in your field and that tends to reduce down the diversity of organisms. Uh, fertilization and chemical addition can also have negative effects on, 
on um, the diversity of microbial communities. So those would be the, the practices, I suppose, that might have a negative effect, but also there's many, many practices that can have a positive effect. For example, returning um, organic matter via slurry, et cetera, um, diversifying your crops so you have a rich range of exudates going into your soil, um, reducing down trafficability or reducing down um, trafficking of animals or machinery when it's when not suitable conditions. Um, a whole range of practices that can be beneficial for those soil organisms. Um, Fiona, so what can farmers do then to protect and improve their soil biology? Are there any external inputs required? Um, well, in many cases, you can probably manage with your inputs on your farm, but it depends on your, your system, I suppose. Uh, in general, for example, soil carbon would be relatively high on Irish farms, but if you have um, uh, repeated tilling operations, you may see a reduction in, in soil carbon. So trying to reintroduce carbon via farmyard manure or other carbon sources would be beneficial. And the same is true of uh, silage fields where you repeatedly take off cuts, but you don't return any carbon. Um, and, and also keeping a balanced fertility. Um, when we remove crops from the system, we obviously take out nutrients. And if we don't have a balanced nutrients, it can be can be damaging to the system. Um, and also, again, trying to diversify crops is usually important. Having a living uh, crop in the ground as much as possible of the year. To, we have uh, various options, I suppose, of incorporating diversity into Irish farms. If it's a grassland systems, you might be able to increase the diversity of your swards by introducing herbs and legumes, as well as your grass species. And then on the tillage side, you could introduce uh, things like crop rotation, um, intercropping, um, yeah, a whole range of, of, of uh, options there. I suppose there's some learnings to do on the agronomic side of that as well. So it's about farmers finding a system that works for them. Are, are we kind of falling into traps sometimes? Sometimes when I'm chatting to farmers of looking for quick fixes, maybe like you can buy something that can spread on land. Do, do we need to go down that route or are the options that you just mentioned better long term? Yeah, I suppose we, we have, I suppose, in, in decades past gone to, to more towards uh, simplification of agriculture, you know, using, I suppose, a chemical fertilizer is more simple to use than um, an organic fertilizer. And it's the same with trying to replace, uh, I suppose, organisms with sprays or whatever. Um, but these aren't simple, simple systems. And I think that's important to remember. Um, so, so keeping the complexity is important. But but there's a whole range of things that we can do that are very simple. We don't need any ex external inputs. It's just about using the resources that you have on your farm and making sure you're careful uh, of protecting the physical soil structure, that you're, you're getting the diversity uh, into, your, into your farm and also returning that organic matter. And if you have all those things uh, lining up, um, you, you'd be going a long way to having good soil health. Another thing which I think is going to become increasingly important is reducing down external inputs of chemical fertilizer because we we've known for quite a while that particularly nitrogen fertilizer reduces down diversity of organisms in, in soil and also on the plant and and this is important I, I think i'd like to emphasize the importance of diversity and it's sometimes a concept that people find very difficult to get their head around push if you have a single um 
if you're putting, for example, an, a lot of nitrogen in excess nitrogen into your field, you reduce down the connections between your plants and your microorganisms, and you uh, favor the prolifer proliferation of certain organisms, and the overall diversity declines. And it's a bit like, I, I like to think about it a bit like a hurling team. If you have uh, to, to play a match, you have 15 players on your field, and each of them have a different role and a different skill set. And you need all of them working together to, to, to play the match and, and to perform. But even wider than that, not only the 15 players, but the really good teams also have a strong panel um, that they can pull from. So if somebody's having an off game or gets injured, you can pull uh, those uh, players on to, to perform the same roles. And the same is true in microbial communities. Um, the, many organisms have different functions, um, and, but they're not all operating at the same time. So um, if you have a stress, for example, a drought or something like that applied to your system, uh, certain organisms might cease to function and then you need those other players to pull, pull, pull off the panel and to, to put them on the field. So keeping that diversity is so important to how your, your whole soil functions, but also the resilience of your system to stress. Fiona, going back, to, I suppose greenhouse gas emissions are, are on the agenda fairly high at the moment. Um, on farms and nationally, but can you tell me microbes generate and mitigate against greenhouse gases? Can you tell me a bit about that and can we use this to our advantage? Yeah, Cahill, it's, it's often not realised, but microorganisms are probably the main uh, producers of greenhouse gases. Um, so when we're talking about agricultural soils, we're primarily concerned about carbon dioxide or carbon and nitrogen. So there's been a lot of talk, um, as well as nationally and internationally, about trying to increase uh, carbon sequestration in uh, soils. Soils are huge stores of carbon. So the idea of trying to remove carbon from the atmosphere and store it in soils is um, very attractive. Um, microorganisms, as the main drivers of those systems, um, determine to a large extent whether carbon is kept in the system or released. So what we're learning as we as we understand these microbial communities more is um, microbes have a strong role at determining how stable carbon is in the soil. And actually most of the, the, the very strongly stable carbon is held up in microbial necromass or dead microbial material. So understanding uh, how, how that carbon gets transferred into those stable states and, and the opposite, how carbon is released into the system would be very important going forward in, in determining the net balance of carbon in our soils. And then the other aspect is um, nitrous oxide emissions. Nitrous oxide obviously is a very potent greenhouse gas. Um, and uh, so a lot of the focus has been on trying to reduce nitrous oxide emissions, uh, particularly associated with fertilizer application. Um, microbes transform nitrogen, they tra they're able to fix nitrogen, of course, from the air um, and provide to plants, but they also return nitrogen uh, back to the air through the process of denitrification, mainly, where nitrogen is transformed from plant available forms to either nitrous oxide, which is our greenhouse gas, or to dinitrogen. Um, so how, how, um, how microbes transform that uh, really determines the, the, I suppose, how much gaseous pollution you're getting. So the, what, we've, what we're learning as we look at these communities is the composition of those communities and their activity determine the, the balance between nitrous oxide and dinitrogen. 
and as we as we look into them we understand that how we manage our soils impacts on the composition and activity of those communities so recent work we've been doing at Johnstone Castle has shown that for example your soil pH and your phosphorus content in your soil strongly impacts those communities and what they're doing which potentially leads the way to manage those emissions um, by for example liming or a phosphorus application and, and that could be a very tangible way of trying to reduce uh, the, the carbon footprint of, of Irish agriculture. Fiona do you think we're doing enough to promote um, positive actions on the farm to make a significant difference? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think for many years, soil has kind of been forgotten about, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and uh, we're predominantly grassland country, so often we don't see the soil very often. But um, I think it's increasingly becoming important on the agenda, particularly the international agenda, um, because we're realizing how dependent we are on these soils, how important they are as a resource that underpin our whole uh, food and agricultural uh, sector, but also how important they are in terms of, um, I suppose, facing the many challenges we're going to face in terms of working towards uh, carbon neutrality, reducing down um, fertilizer inputs, reducing down um, greenhouse gases and working, to more, working towards more biodiverse and also climate resilient systems. So the, the challenges we face is, face are enormous and uh, there's increasing realization that soils are going to have to be part a big part of the solution to those issues and I think as that uh, I suppose um, aspect or our outlook on things we are going to see filtering down to more farm uh, based uh, uh, I suppose awareness um, but I think in, in general the farmers that, that I speak to are, are often very very interested in soils they're really keen for knowledge for learning more and I think we could do more to provide them the resources to think about it but in many in the many in the myriad of things that farmers have to think about I think soil has dr drifted well down the agenda in the recent decades and um, I often say like uh, many farmers uh, might you know have a look at, at their machinery, service their machinery at least once a year. I don't know if the same is true of their soils. And of course, soils is far more valuable resource to them than any machine they might have. So I would always encourage farmers to, to go out and have a look. All you need is a spade and uh, go out and have a look at your soil and evaluate how, how, uh, how it's doing and particularly in areas you're concerned on in your farm. Um, it's very easy to, to go out and, and, and check in on your soil and also to think about when you're when you're deciding your management uh, for the coming year. Is there things you can do um, that might might help in terms of enhancing the health of your soils? Well, Fiona, I'm going to steal one of Deirdre's quotes now from Leonardo da Vinci, but we know more about the movement of celestial bodies than about the soil underfoot. But I certainly think that you've put a dent in that today from our conversation and definitely yourself and your colleagues in Johnson Castle are helping to lead the way in figuring out the complexity of the soil. And I really hope that you continue to keep up the great work and, and bring it to the knowledge transfer side that we can push it as well. Really enjoyed the chat today and thank you very much. Thanks, Fiona. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Fiona Brennan, Chagask Soil and Environmental Microbiology Researcher, for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast 
You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability. <laughs>